The hairy ape is back, and this time he takes no prisoners as the king kaiju is taken prisoner himself once more on Mondo Island. Can he escape and scale a historic building in a fantastic finale? Find out on this week's episode, Kaiju vs. History, King Kong Escapes. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your island exploring reporter, Patrick, and joining me is my cape-twirling co-star of a Bond villain, Miles. How are you, Miles? I'm doing well, and honestly, pretty happy to be here in terms of kaiju films this Mm -hmm. week. Uh, Oh, yeah. It's nice to get at least a familiar name back. (laughs) I am famously not a big fan of Kong himself, but you don't say honestly, it's a pretty fun movie. Oh, boy. Yes. Indeedy. It is a film that didn't think was going to be possible. A a straight up Japanese production by Toho for King Kong while they still had the rights to the, the massive monster. It was released in 1967 as part of the studio's 35th anniversary celebration, along with eight other films, including uh, eventually this year. There's also a King or a Godzilla movie. Yeah, and it's it's so funny because especially when we talk about films that didn't quite get made or got kind of turned into something else, a good chunk of Toho's content from the 60s started off as ideas for a King Kong film. So it's interesting that the one toho king kong like the the only toho solo king kong movie that gets made is loosely based on the rankin bass king kong show yeah they they we, we talked about how they originally wanted the operation robinson caruso film but when they looked at it there was not enough of the tv show in it which is interesting because that one also takes place on like a, an island a remote setting but they didn't bring back really any of the characters from the animated show, which is what I thought they would I mean, want to do. Just Doctor Who, I think. Yeah, Doc, Doctor. Well, King Kong. You forgot about King Kong. Well, it's I mean, yeah, here. obviously King Kong. Yeah, so this feels like a very different monkey. It um, was so before uh, we get into all of that, hmm. let's go ahead and have you tell us not only what's in a title, but where does Frankenstein come in? Because I feel like this <laughs> needs to be a constant thing now. Yeah, this is the segment is no longer called what's in a title. It's where's Frankenstein in the title. And <laughs> exactly. They, they, they at some point they Germany has to stop doing this, but it wasn't in 1967. Is it, is it Germany's choice? <laughs> yes, it must be. <laughs> this was King Kong's Frankenstein's son in Germany. <laughs> so we've got the lineage Frankenstein, father of King Kong. The literal. Japanese title is King Kong's Counterattack, hearkening back to the Japanese title for Godzilla, Godzilla Raids, Raids Again. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. The the international slash US title that we use is King Kong Escapes, which it's fine title. I, yeah, I don't mind a, it at all. I mean, I don't know what he's escaping for the most part, but mm-hmm. it's fine. In France and Belgium, we got the Revenge of King Kong. Turkey was called Wrath of the Monsters, which is 
very generic, but also pretty cool. No, no titles. I don't think any titles that refer to Mecha Godzilla. Unfortunately, you would think they would have at least one kind of verses brought up or Mechanicon. Yeah, we do get King Kong against Doctor Who in in the DVD, I think, or a reissue title in in France and Belgium. Uh, yeah, some, and we 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 uh, some, like some Mexico, weird ones here. title. Yeah. Uh, King Kong has not died. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just scanning through the list to see if there are any others that are interesting. King Kong has not died is a great title <laughs> because I guess maybe uh, <laughs> they must have had some marketing questions. Like, wait a minute, he dies at the end of the 1933 <laughs> movie that everyone has seen. Uh yeah, some some interesting titles here, and does not reinvent the the wheel with the script for the most part the beginning part of the movie is very similar we do get a locale from the animated tv show in mondo island which is where kong is from or where he goes to live in the cartoon i forget <laughs> yeah but, i mean here in, in in the movie it's basically the new skull island yep pretty much and uh we, we get a, a submarine explorer who sees that kong is living here and then they just kind of leave him at that point as he they the expedition is is saved from a giant tyrannosaur by Kong that we know as Gorosaurus, but I don't think is named in this movie that they will bring no. him back for some Godzilla films. And a fight that I almost completely forget about is the uh, the giant sea snake fight, which is a, a good one as well. Mm-hmm. Both of which harken back to battles from the 1933 movie or the, the, the sequel as well in, in the son of Kong fighting that like a Leoplordon or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, they, the explorers leave. And meanwhile, we have, as I said, a, a cape twirling villain in Doctor Who, who is looking to mine the radioactive element X. Which may or may not just be like plutonium. I don't know. They, they, I think they yeah. were going to use it in bombs. So I, I love the beginning of this movie because like they're like in the North Pole and, and looking for this, this element and not a single person is dressed for it. Yes. It looks very gold there. Actually, they did a good job on that set design. Set design is great, but everyone is dressed like it's casual Friday. And we, we get in the villains here. Oh, what was her name? Madame Piranha, <laughs> Mistress Piranha, and Doctor Who looking for Element X and their own constructed Mechanicong, which they use to to do the digging. All that stuff that I just mentioned is some of the coolest comic booky stuff mm-hmm. from any of the kaiju movies of the 1960s. This is I, a very Silver Age comic book style movie. I agree. Yeah. And there is a lot of James Bond in this movie because Doctor Who, you know, kidnaps the the folks to try and have them get the real Kong because <laughs> the robot can't uh, bear the radiation. It keeps shorting out. Yeah, the, it's pretty funny. The, there, there are certainly some silly plot points, but they're done in a way that like, ah, it's still fun. There, there's, I mean, obviously there's, there's some logic problems in, in certain scenes. Like there's a great scene beginning when they go to the Mondo Island. And so it's the it's the two and, it's, and it seems to be a, a recurring thing where you have like kind of a, a Western lead actor and a Japanese lead actor. 
Mm-hmm. And then you have a blonde hair, blue eye prota- or, or female protagonist. I mean, they have the formula down for a movie that is easily exportable because a hundred percent it'll sell you. We have Akira Takarada playing uh, Jiro Nomura, a Toho classic Godzilla oh, yeah. actor. So right Fantastic. off the bat, we, we didn't mention this is also an Ashiro Honda film. <laughs> they they did not want to go through with the project unless they had the holy trinity of uh, Ashiro Honda, Ifukube, and Subaraya doing this this movie. But yeah, beyond that, we get Akira Takarada and the Western lead actor, Commander Carl Nelson. His actor has an even whiter sounding name, Rhodes Reason, which I was like, that can't be that can't oh. be his real name, right? <laughs> But it is. No, it is son of Rex Reason. <laughs> and, and brother of actor Rex Reason. So Carl, Ness, uh, Carl and Jiro leave Susan when they first get this island saying, we're not sure what we'll run, to, run into. And the, and the message is like, so stay in this unknown jungle by yourself. <laughs> yes, Lieutenant Susan Watson played by Linda Jo Miller in like her first ever role i think i think she was a i think so but yeah that that, that scene cracked me up because they're they they, they're pontificating about what things (laughs) they might find this jungle and like she's still in the jungle like there's nothing else for her to do so they're like oh stay stay behind it might be dangerous so we're gonna leave you here (laughs) yes very much you know probably what they they would have done with a and Darrow kind of character if she hadn't been taken by the uh, the native population. So I think we mentioned when we did Ebera that that movie started off as a King Kong script. Yeah, and you can see it in a lot of ways. It takes place on the same kind of island. Mm-hmm. They didn't really rewrite the script too much because it also had a very Bond-like villain <laughs> as the the foil to the the main cast of a couple guys and uh and a a girl in this in that movie's case a a native woman but uh here we see Susan Watson played by uh, Linda Joe Miller is the 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 love interest for King Kong <laughs> more than anything right so she's the one that's communicating with him in in the same way that uh, the 1933 Kong was and it really bothered me. This is the thing that probably bothered me the most in this movie is talking to him like he's either hard of hearing or a child. <laughs> right. <laughs> or learning learning English for the first time. Like, Kong, you go here. <laughs> it's like, I don't think he understands any English. <laughs> you don't have to say it slower. Just use hand gestures or, or something. But yeah, she, she gets saved by, by Kong and the first third of the movie is, is very much kind of by the numbers and it goes all all out of whack once we get to Mechanicon and the the machinations of the evil Doctor Who which I've I have written in notes as spelled W-H-O as in nope uh, <laughs> the the Doctor Who that travels backwards and forwards in time it is written in a few different translations as H-U or H-U-U Mm-hmm. <laughs> but any of them are, are great. It is probably one of the most fun things in this movie. Oh, yeah. No, I, I I enjoy having a cartoony textbook villain with cape. And what's wild is like they, they do a little bit of that kind of um, recurring villain type thing where like he constantly kind of fails, but not really. 
Mm. And so you have almost these kind of episodic things where it's like, I'll get you. Um, <laughs> the the actor they got to play him, uh, Hideo Amamoto, is, is great. He's chewing scenery in some bits. And there's just so many nasty things that give him to do that he, he shoots some of the, the native Mondo Islanders and it doesn't need to, I don't think like in that situation, no. just really wanted to blast some fools. I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, he, that, they, they also paint him as a bad guy and he has, I mean, he's a long history of, of acting and stayed in kind of Tokusatsu stuff. I mean, he as, as recently as, giant monsters all out attack i mean he he kept acting and and brought him back for that movie but no uh, i mean i thought i thought i thought doctor who was a a funny a fun character i liked having this like mystery nation with madame piranha i thought that was very cool i really liked the design for mechanicon i think it that that design is great i was really impressed by it and it's a bummer because I still think King Kong's suit work is. You have to admit, you have oh, to it's, admit, it's the better than it was last time. It yes. is much better. It the certainly des- is. The design, the sculpt of the head is still so off. And part of it is yeah. the dopey eyes. Like whenever they're half closed, it just looks like he's falling asleep. But in yeah, this movie, or it looks like I'm, I'm waiting for the next show at Showbiz Pizza. This. I think goes to how important the suit actor is in these movies. Cause in this film, King Kong is played by none other than Haru Nakajima. And you can tell that there's someone mm-hmm. different in the suit. He, oh, a hundred percent. He is going all out. And it, because of it, that more of the character comes through. It's, it's just so crazy uh, compared to, I, I forget who played him in King Kong versus Godzilla, but Haru Nakajima was in the Godzilla costume in that movie. So he's kind of, Traded up here in this film for Mechanicong and Angorosaurus, we get a Hiroshi Sakita and almost all of the actors we've seen in other films. We last saw him in Ebra. He played Ebra as well as Sanda in, in War of the Gargantua. So he in like the last three movies <laughs> he's done, he's starred opposite of Haru Nakajima himself. So yeah, this movie has everything going for it, Miles. Like, no, I said. It, it really, it really does. I mean, like I said, I I have to mark it a little bit lower just because I I still think Kong does not look right. Um, <laughs> no, he does not. The, there are this... there are things that work so much better on the suit though, and mm-hmm. they use less of the extended arms, like the long arms, which had Haru Nakajima holding. <clears throat> like paddles that would go t- in the hand. So he didn't get to like use his fingers and some of those wider shots. But whenever you get close up and the monsters are battling, they're, they're gone and he has finger movement. Right. And I mean, I, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's clear that you have the big three here because there is such this side, like from watching some of the movies that we have watched in the last few weeks and then coming back to an Ashura Honda film, that also has Akira Ifukube and Tsuburaya all at work. The, like, we're talking about a character that I just don't really care for. And mm-hmm. it's still like, yeah, this is, this is all high marks. This is, I mean, a fun story that knows what it's doing. Yes, it is digging into some of the, that pulp hero, like James Bond, that Silver Age comic book style stuff, but it does so with such intention that 
I think that everything that this movie does, it, it, the reason is it, it excels is because everyone is aware of what they're doing. It's not just like, oh, we have to make another one of these. It's like, no, we want to tell this story in this style with these specific characters. These, this is how these characters work. This is what's going on behind them. And, and that's why this movie, I think, succeeds is because, you know, we, we know that this, that these guys love like King Kong. Mm-hmm. And while I still feel like Godzilla versus or King Kong versus Godzilla is okay at best, you know, there, there's love behind that. But I think more understanding and more love is shown for Kong in this movie than the prior one, partially because even though it's not great, the suit is much better. So you can really get a handle on Kong, but you also have a cool thing for him to tassel with. Mm-hmm. And Mechanic Kong looks amazing. Yeah, I liked the design in the cartoon. I liked it here. It in in some places even looks better than Mecha Godzilla that that we'll get in the the later end championship series of Showa era Godzilla movies. But yeah, this is definitely the inspiration for it. And I'm very happy that they took you know one of the best parts of this movie and recycled it a little bit for Godzilla, giving him an opponent kind of on his level. I would say. An opponent as important as King Ghidorah. I think Mechagodzilla mm. is is pretty darn important. Mm. I mean, yeah. I mean, he he's certainly very important. Yeah, as important as King Ghidorah. I think not- I think it when you add in you know your Kiryu's and things like that, it it comes up about even. I'm I, maybe that's just my bias. I'm not a huge King Ghidorah fan, but I I think having him be uh, the main villain. So it's hard to say <laughs> have having him be the main villain here is is a is a great idea and and not the only villain like i said we still also get a great gorosaurus gorosaurus fight in one that goes back to the 1933 film where godzilla fights a t-rex i think they call him the meat eater in the 33 film toho was pressuring the filmmakers probably uh the producer uh tomiyuka tanaka who's still producing these films to you know do more violence to to have some more kind of gruesome fight scenes and the report was Subaraya didn't like this because he realized how much more these these films were being shown to children Mm -hmm. Uh, he he would say you know that they wanted more blood and when Kong broke the Gorosaurus's jaw and and that's that scene is pretty brutal it's already brutal yeah yeah because so, he is going to town on that on that lizard i, I mean he is they just wanted like blood sprays in in that part and eventually what happens is they f- have foam coming out of the, mm-hmm. the dinosaur's mouth so <laughs> gave him an antacid and <laughs> broke his jaw laid him on the ground <laughs> is is the final outcome that shows up on the film but yeah some pretty good fight scenes and once again old props to haru nakajima making a lot of those very believable here did you have a, a favorite scene or, or something that didn't work for you here in the movie? I don't know if it's it didn't work. Well, there is that weird scene where like they try to mimic the Bond stuff where they have like the femme fatale trying to, you know, seduce the character, but everything <laughs> is pantomime. And, and what's weird is both characters know it's pantomime to a degree, even though you can see there's mm-hmm. some actual attraction there. It, but it's just an odd scene because then another who comes in is like, ha ha. 
I'm like, it felt like Captain Kirk uh, whenever he was trying to wine and dine a space alien. Like they both knew <laughs> indeed that it was a little bit of, ga- of a game. Me Hama playing Madame Piranha, the the foreign agent who Doctor Who is it, working for is like. Yeah, do they ever the say what element, what X mystery to? country she's from? I don't think they ever mm. name it. Do they? I I think it is implied to be. North Korea, potentially. I don't know if they ever say it. It could be one of those made up countries that they do, but I don't think they actually give it. I a think name. it was a, a made up. I think it was supposed to be implied that it was a made up country, but also the scene where Doctor Who shoots her mm-hmm. is pretty hilarious because it, it, I mean, it's the one scene where I can say this is poorly done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Towards the end there. Uh, because like, you know, he, he does the shot, then it cuts to her. They, you don't even see like a flash. And then she like flays in one direction and then he shoots her again. She flays in the other direction. And then when she drops, you see like two center shots. <laughs> yeah. So like, where is this impact coming from? From the, the acting school <laughs> that uh, Mihama went to, I'm sure. <laughs> but this movie was distributed theatrically in the U.S. by Universal and it was dubbed back over here in New York City. They brought back Rhodes Reason to dub over his own performance, and they got the the voice actor and actor Paul Freeze to do the the very dramatic English version of, of Doctor Who, as well as a bunch of other male actors in in the film. Paul Freeze, I I, I knew mostly from being Boris Badenov in Rocky and Bullwinkle, but it was in a lot of Rankin Bass. Projects. Yeah, that's the I know is Rocky and Bullwinkle. Well, a lot of the claymation stuff, I think he was Santa Claus in a couple of them. The American film, I believe, had eight minutes cut. Let me just double check on that from the, the original Japanese version. Yep, yep, eight minutes. And one of the introductory scenes for Susan, I think, were were longer in the Japanese cut. And Mechanic Kong is known called Robot Kong, which I don't like. I mean, Mechanic no. Kong is such a cool name. Yeah, Mechanic Kong is great. And Madame Piranha was changed to Madame X, which also doesn't work as well because Madame X is looking for Element X. Come on. Linda Miller, who is our kind of Bond girl, I guess, of this movie. I, I suppose both of the, <laughs> the female actresses are considered that here. Right. They they tracked her down. She was living in Japan at the time and was doing modeling work. She was 18. Can you believe that when, when she made this movie? Wow. Unfortunately, when it came time for the U.S. production, they did not get her to dub over her own voice, but they brought in Julie Bennett to do it instead. This might have been a money-saving thing because they would have flown her from Japan to New York, but uh, she also wasn't like an actual actress like a, she didn't have a sag card like Rhodes reason did so she was a little disappointed that her voice wasn't in the the u.s version of the film but uh i thought she did a good job in the movie you know for definitely for a first time out i did not like like i said her talking to kong in every every aspect but she's just part of what makes this movie fun i think having a a short-haired blonde woman running around just like in the extra amount of space, it just it feels very different for for a Japanese movie when you get those kind of Western actors and, and get them in involved. Miles, yeah, I mean, I definitely enjoy the aspect of having such a a blended cast 
Mm-hmm. And it, it's certainly an, an aspect I enjoyed from X Outer Space, and it's it's one that I enjoyed in like Invasion of Astro Monsters. We have one of those as well, and it's cool to, to see them continue to do that because I mean it it makes it more it feels more worldly. And it's a honestly this is a a fun movie that has what's supposed to be an international like cast of characters. Like, the characters are all supposed to be from different places, and you have some like American or British armed forces and. Just that they, they do all of that is a lot of fun for me. It, it doesn't really happen very often that you get production companies from different parts of the world coming together and building these kinds of casts. The the last movie, well, actually a couple movies that feel similar to that are um, Bong Joon-ho's movies that get financed here in the U.S. So Snowpiercer had that mm-hmm. kind of international cast and the Netflix movie Okja. I love Okja. Yeah, it was great. And it has both Western and Eastern actors in extremely prominent roles and not really having one over the other. The, the, the classic Japanese Showa films that did the same thing, I felt kind of similarly. And I understand that's mostly for financial reasons to have those kind of big faces from both sides of the Pacific, but it just it, works. Yeah. Sure. Honda makes a very fun film. It <laughs> makes a very fun movie yeah. when when you have all these things humming along. Even if you don't like uh, King Kong, this this did pretty well. Fa- favorite part of the movie for me here that that end sequence between Kong and Mechanic Kong where they're scaling the Tokyo Tower. That's great. It's a great callback to the very first movie. Awesome scene. Well, not only that, but like you've got this cool like scene where you know, Susan ends up kind of trapped, and you have the the jumpers like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pell down and like rescue her and stuff. It's, it's a very, very cool sequence. I, I was honestly impressed by it. I, I was a little disappointed at first because I was like, how big is Kong supposed to be in this movie? When I went looking for it, this isn't really the same Kong from King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, height wise, it's less than a hundred feet. The Tokyo tower is like, also much larger than I thought it was it uh, until like 2009 or something. It was the tallest building in Japan, which is hmm. crazy to believe. So it's huge and it's large enough to support not one, but two giant monsters on it, scaling their way to the top. And yeah, that, I mean, that's that's something that uh, <laughs> we wouldn't have seen in 1933's King Kong is another monster fighting him on top of the Empire State Building. So this is something kind of adding to the trope that we already saw and doing it in a way that I think Ishiro Hondo was pretty proud of himself, you know, uh, yeah. for, for that, that scene. What else? What do you have anything else you really enjoyed about it? Um, I mean, I enjoyed all of the little scenes when everyone was kind of captured in Dr. Who's lair. I thought that that element, that kind of like Johnny questy silliness mm-hmm. uh, was extremely fun. I think that this, I mean, everyone had something to like really fun to do. They, I feel like every actor got a little moment to, uh, every main actor got a little moment to like chew on some scenery, some more than others. But yeah, I mean, that Mechanic Kong, King Kong fight is, you know, what you want to see. It's on the poster. And again, you have your titular monster fighting something and finding something that would honestly inform one of the most important kaiju adversaries of all time mm-hmm. several years later in mecha godzilla that's uh that's a that's a pretty big one and the design for mckinney kong is legitimately great 
design and they would reuse parts of Mechanicong's theme in the 90s Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 2 for Mechagodzilla's theme, which is pretty cool. And of course, yeah, it yeah. Help, helped inspire Mechagodzilla, which is <clears throat> one of my favorite monsters if in the, the Godzilla world. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, some okay. some reviews here of the time with the critics said uh, New York Times critic Vincent Canby was pretty negative about the film, calling the Japanese all thumbs, quote unquote, when it comes to making these kind of movies. And it's like, well, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. Film Bulletin had a, a more positive review saying, quote, grownups who like their entertainments on a comic strip level will find good fun. And the release has plenty of ballyhoo angles to draw the school free youngsters in large numbers. I, <laughs> ballyhoo angles is a fun way of putting in perspective these these giant shots with the miniatures and what have you. Yeah, there's nothing not to enjoy about this. I'm I am interested, you know, to find out if, if this was a, a hit in in the U.S. It uh, it did pretty well in in Japan. Not enough that they continued the Rankin Bass Toho partnership after this. Unfortunately, once it ran out the following year, well, I don't think. Well, I think another... it was, if it was up to Toho, that that would still be going on because yeah, they 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 loved having that in their their toolbox, but right. We, we wouldn't see another King Kong movie until the Italians got their hands on it in the 70s. Is that, I forget who made uh, 1976's King Kong, but it was not Toho, unfortunately. No, 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 no. It was not. <laughs> what, uh, um, what, what do you think about for rating this movie? What, what, where, are you, where are you landing this one on in So, surprisingly enough, I'm giving this one an 8 out of 10. I think this is an extremely fun kaiju movie it is honestly one of my favorite kong movies until the 21st century i mean i'm i'm notoriously not a massive kong guy and i mean it really isn't until peter jackson and then uh legendary later get their hands on the character that i really connected with it so not only that but i think this is an extremely fun movie like you said at the top of the show it's got a a great comic book style like it feels like a Silver Age comic of the time, and it even if they don't know that when uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, even if it, the script writers and and Honda didn't understand what that means, like the movie they were making, they were delighting in, mm-hmm. and it's a movie that knows what it's doing, and that makes all the difference in the world. Like, that, like a character like this, like they know they're they're they are being informed by a cartoon. And they really amp that up. And I like the fact that they kind of pushed back against the studio and make it super bloody because while that does sound fun, yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose of this movie, which is to make just a fun cartoon adventure starring King Kong. And I don't think making King Kong extra vicious is necessary, which is something that the Italians would learn in the 70s and I think it's the same studio in the 80s when they made King Kong Lives. Right. Uh, so I think that this movie is just, it's so much fun. And it's an interesting movie in Toho's history because they're once again using a character that is not originally theirs. But for me, they are using it to the best way, which is this extremely fun pulpy story that I don't think this movie gets enough credit for in the modern context, because I think this movie has a lot of legacy to offer. 
I, I still think that if Ebera had King Kong as the villain, that movie would probably be better suited for that style of adventure, but nothing to snuff at here. This is a, a rewatchable one for me, probably in the same vein as, as last week's Gappa. It's someone I could have on in the background and oh, yeah, so turn to that. I, th- I think it is better, but I have these about the same amount of enjoyment. So I gave this one an eight out of 10 as well. I, I agree with you, though. It is probably the, the most entertaining of the Toho unoriginal characters, you know, between this and King Kong versus Godzilla and Frankenstein. Uh, this one definitely fares the best. Technically, though, there are a lot of technical elements I feel like are, are lacking. This had a budget of about $1.3 million, so only slightly more than they gave to Ebera Horror of the Deep. And I feel like this movie had a lot more ground to cover. It had more monsters. It had more, I think, destruction sequences. That movie, you know, just had like one single island set that they built and barely destroyed. Right. But yeah, it is, it is a pretty bad Kong suit still, despite the improvements that they, they made and, and putting Haru Nakajima in there. I did knock it down a little bit for that. And, and brought the, the technical aspect to a 7 out of 10. This still... Interesting. This still is up there, I feel like, though, for Ashiro Honda's movies. I, I like this. I gotta say, I, I think it's a little bit better than Frankenstein <laughs> Conquers the World. Uh, what about you, Miles? Uh, I like it way more than that one. Uh, I, st- I gave it another 8. Oh, I, okay. I think this movie does... I mean, I, I agree. Gotta knock it for that Kong costume. <laughs> it's still lacking. But I think everything else in this movie really works. I think there's some fun miniature work when the, the monsters are duking it out. I think there is, I mean, some really fun set pieces. Uh, yes, the script does lack in areas. And I mean, again, I'm giving it an A. I'm not giving it higher because I think this is a movie that understands what it is and has fun doing it. But you can't for you can't overlook some of its uh, misgivings. But overall, an exceptionally fun monster movie from for me a surprising character in King Kong. Mm-hmm. But with with him with the superbly designed McKinney Kong and an extremely likable cast, it is hard to be too dour about some of its script and budget misgivings. Yeah, like I said, after that first act, it is a pretty original story. <laughs> you know, it's a weird story, but it's, it's at least original. And they, Shiro Honda is able to execute his vision. I feel like I wonder if how he views this one in retrospect because he is so hard about a lot of his productions. I, um, I feel I'm like sure he hates it like he hates everything else he did. <laughs> no, I feel like he would he would be happy with this one. Let me go back and read that part of the the book as as far as its evocative, you know essence as a piece of art in the genre that we're examining the kaiju genre this is so influential so pioneering in a lot of ways and it helps set up some other godzilla movies coming but yeah that this this is a very important team up with rankin bass you know american company funding this kaiju experience i still wasn't blown away by this film's legacy that i had i don't think i'd seen this movie before doing it here for the podcast and I feel like it, it doesn't get talked about as much and probably passed over for the more quote unquote influential King Kong versus Godzilla, even though this this is probably a better movie. Oh, a hundred percent a better movie. 
there there's elements that are a little muddled here it's like is this a spy movie with king kong in it or is this an adventure film i, I don't know if it, it ever kind of lives up to being a sequel or film version of the animated show not that it has to be but that's what they wanted so i think one reason this doesn't connect for me for the evocative is just, it doesn't seem to be part of the toho scope the toho universe so i'm, I'm dropping it down a little bit from what i might otherwise think for for this movie if king kong versus godzilla was up there as an eight or nine i put this one down at a seven out of ten so i am also giving this an eight oh um, boy you, yeah you could wings me miles this this one i think is is uh one of those kind of sneaky influential movies a lot of movies i mean because again the japanese filmmakers and the audience love this movie and so a lot of movies from the next batch of Toho films almost start as a King Kong Escapes sequel, at least in its pitch. And you also have the, I don't want to say the, the basis, but I mean, this, this certainly informs the later Mechagodzilla, which mm-hmm. is one of the most popular monsters in kaiju history. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a character they wanted to bring back in the Heisei era with Godzilla versus Mechanic Kong. And obviously they just, they, they thought, okay, we can't do King Kong. So we, we'll just we, use Mechanic Let's Kong. use our own mechanical version. No, that's and it's not like, how it works. They, then they realized, oh, wait, the way American copyright works. Oh, we can't even use the likeness. Womp womp. Yeah. Which would have been a bummer because I, or which is a bummer because I would have loved a Godzilla versus Mechanic Kong movie. That it sounds very, very fun. <laughs> um, but this is a movie that seems to be well liked by the people that see it. It has never seemed to, even though a lot of people don't talk about it as much right now, it's a movie that has always, I think, been in the conversation with these Showa era Godzilla films, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always saw this tape around right. and it's always in conversation. And so while it may not have the wow factor as something like Invasion of Astro Monster, or Mothra, or even Godzilla versus King Kong, because I mean, come on, who can compete with two of the biggest monsters in the history of film? But I do think this movie uh, did influence a lot in a much quieter way. And it's also just an extremely fun movie. And I think the people that do see it that aren't sticks in the mud from that at the time, New York Times, have a lot of fun with it. And this is someone this is coming from someone who does not care for King Kong. And I think that speaks a lot about the film. Mm-hmm. And so I am, I'm sticking with my eight on this one. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Yeah. So that brings you to an eight and me to a seven, bit of a higher seven here, which means our final podcast score is an eight out of 10 for King Kong escapes. That, that's surprising. This is, I mean, well, we, we've had, <laughs> we've had a lot of eights and nines this season in the the 60s but, but you I, didn't think i'd be the one to rise up to raise up <laughs> king kong did you well every once in a while when we're watching movies we will say like what we think our final score is going to be but they they change because i thought we were going to have a seven out of ten for gappa last week as well as a seven out of ten for king kong escapes here and we went down on that movie to a six and up on this one two and eight for the podcast and once again, I think aggregating our two scores actually gets at the the truth of probably right. Uh, what yeah, it is. I, I, I would agree. I feel like uh, this one is is probably an eight out of ten film. It is certainly one that I would watch if it was on a hundred percent. Yeah, that's a good way to describe 
each set of tens, uh, and maybe we reserve those nines and and ten out of tens for movies that you actively <laughs> go out of your way to 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 find and put put on again. And that, I think that 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 will hold up for for our our scores here and there. Still no perfect scores here in the Showa era. No ten out of tens for the podcast, but we'll probably get there, right? I mean, the first Godzilla. Well, I'm saying just this season we haven't had any. Okay, we were we were close with Mothra, but Mothra did not. Anyway, yeah, so that's gonna do it for us. Let's wrap this one up and and head on out. What's where can people contact us? Uh, well, you can email us at kaijuversushistory at gmail.com. You can tweet to us at kaijuversushistory or visit our website kaijuversushistory.com. So please rate and review our show, comment, share with your friends, and most importantly, let us know what you think. Give us some of your favorite kaiju memories. Give us, you know, especially some of you older listeners, like tell us what you thought the first time you saw this movie, if you saw it on TV or if you saw it drive in. You know, I I would love to hear some insight from people who might have seen this closer to a release. Mm-hmm. I, but, man, I, I would love to go back in time and catch this at a drive. Oh, it'd be so much fun. But know, thank you, Patrick. Movie. Thank you, listeners. And we will catch you next time when we leave Japan again for another Asian market and a new Godzilla and Gamera clone from Korea this time. That's right. Tune in next time for History versus. Yangli, Monster of the Deep. <laughs> <laughs>